Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show, excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. This week, we're recapping Season 3, Episode 6, titled Take the Deviled Eggs, dot, dot, dot. The Netflix bio is... When Lorelai winds up attending a social event with Rory, she learns more about Christopher's life than she wanted to know. Wow. Sounds like an expose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before we get into things, don't forget about our sticker giveaway. You can enter this by writing us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and emailing us a screenshot to talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can just give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify just for funsies. Mm -hmm. What could be more fun than that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a hit of dopamine when you press that five star under mm -hmm. talking fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> what were your initial thoughts for this episode? It was another one that I really enjoyed, I would say. I just feel like season three, they're really in their groove. And I was delighted by the return of Sherry um actor mad madchen amic i probably didn't get the first name oh, correct yeah. i like her we've talked about her before all the various shows she's in and i was also pretty tickled by the jess works at walmart and that's how he bought the car like secret and then reveal at the end of the episode <laughs> that's <Yeah>. something <laughs> i definitely remembered how about you i agree i feel like they've kind of nailed the whole like two main storylines for the episode kind of thing and then there's like always a, a third town quirkiness mm -hmm. plot line to liven things up a little bit here and there and I think they've really started to do that really well and, and especially in a way that's not like as difficult for us to recap where yeah. some some episodes like in season two every single scene would have to like go back and forth amongst like three different storylines <laughs> mm -hmm. and it would get a bit complicated this is a bit more straightforward yeah there's almost like a formula that they've developed mm -hmm. and they follow for the episodes and some people might think it's like an insult to call a show formulaic but I don't mean it in that way like I don't know you yeah. follow a recipe for a cake and it turns out into something great a cake yeah. right and so it's like each of these you episodes are like a good cake slightly different flavors each time maybe <laughs> we'll have to ask larissa at eating gilmore sometime to like tell us the flavors of cake that would go along with some of our favorite episodes mm. just for fun <laughs> i like that very abstract <laughs> well speaking of formulas and things that you follow our formula is to kick things off with our talking fast segment so shall we <laughs> yeah let's do it <laughs> okay i believe you're first this week are you ready yeah okay i just got like a false sense of hubris is like i'm easily going to be under 30 seconds this time so we'll see how it goes we'll see yeah time will tell <laughs> 30 <laughs> seconds will tell <laughs> all right three two one go so we open the episode with something that never comes up again about magazines and subscriptions then we have a town meeting where we find out that the loner wants to have a protest and we also find out that Jess has a car. After this, we are invited to 
Sherry's baby shower. Um, and the baby shower kind of ends up being a torture fest for Lorelai. Meanwhile, Luke is trying to figure out how Jess got the car, and he works at Walmart, and then they egg Jess's car. <laughs> oh, I feel like I actually, oh, I forgot about the town loaner stuff. Oh, oh well, I got most of it. <laughs> well, you got the, the start of the storyline, so yeah, that yeah. was good. <laughs> okay, are you ready to go? Mm, yes. Okay, ready, set, go. So there is the town hall meeting where the town loner protest comes up after they leave the just has a car thing comes up as well uh luke tries to kind of like go around town and goes through jess's stuff to try and figure out how he could afford it he eventually learns that jess has been working at walmart he has a good laugh about that but he kind of knows where the car came from meanwhile the other big storyline is the sherry baby shower um and there's also uh miss patty has a date and ah! <laughs> I took a turn uh, for the worst. I Miss Patty's date. About 10 seconds in, I think. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say we should start there, but we do have a random cold open scene to get to first yeah. when we slow down. As you mentioned, it's something that is not attached to anything else in the rest of the episode. <laughs> no, it was so pointless. <laughs> so we open up at Lorelai and Rory's house, and Lorelai is like stacking all of the catalogs and magazines and her plan is to go and call all of the different catalogs and make it so that they only have one subscription to each mm -hmm. and Rory makes fun of her because she never follows through with her plans and then lo and behold Lorelai doesn't follow through with her plan. <laughs> I was thinking back to uh we had a brief conversation about how some people read Lorelai as having ADHD. I thought this scene mm -hmm. though it doesn't really you know matter too much to the rest of the episode one thing it could be relevant to is the reading of her as having mm -hmm. that the like difficulty to stay on tasks like starting new tasks but not seeing them through. Yeah I think that makes a lot of sense. I just had sympathy because this is a horrible task to do, like making all these calls. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want to either. I know. It's like these days there are apps that will cancel subscriptions for you when you have subscriptions that you forgot about. <laughs> Mm -hmm. that's what Lorelai needs yeah I also like how she mentioned she gave two fake names to see which stores <laughs> were giving out her information which felt incredibly relevant to us now like I've definitely thought mm -hmm. about like what websites have sold my phone number or my name or whatever like the whole scam call industry is booming and no one seems to do anything yeah. about it. I never answer my phone. I get so many emails. It's like, oh, it is a hellscape out there. This is just a preview, you know, the catalog issue she has. <laughs> mm -hmm. At least those, like, I don't know, you can do something with catalogs. Sometimes they're fun to just flip through. You can also start fires with them if you have a fireplace. <laughs> and in Apocalypse, camping. they could be toilet paper. Yeah, that's true. I have been watching The Last of Us and that Me happened too. <laughs> in this last episode. <laughs> Such a good Maybe show if so we far. don't go an hour and 30 at the end, we can talk about which character would survive in like an apocalypse. Oh, yeah. I don't know if we yeah, have time for great. it, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll be thinking about it either way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so after this completely pointless opening, which was still fun, you know, I guess yeah. it's not totally pointless. <laughs> we are in a town meeting where Taylor's talking about the bird poop problem. 
which I thought was great. Um, apparently, he thinks that birds have been perching and pooping too often. And I think Babette brings up the fact that, or asks Taylor whether he he's raising this because he has been pooped on a lot recently. <laughs> Sounds like that is the case. Yeah, he says, I dare say some of these birds are doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've never been, well, I think I've been pooped on by a bird once maybe i have once as well it was on the fourth of july and we had just set off fireworks so i totally understood (laughs) but it was still really gross (laughs) scared it shitless (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) i just think this taylor moment is like infamous i had posted a tiktok about taylor a while back and some of the comments mentioned this like bird thing and Mm -hmm. his like his yearning for control even over birds It's like, I don't know, it just makes me think about how utopias go wrong, you know? Like, in theory, a perfect world where no one poops on you. Great. But his solution is to, like, put these spikes on their streetlights so that birds impale themselves. It's just a great little case study of (laughs) Taylor, you know? (laughs) After, or I guess during this, um, I have my Stars Hollow moment, which is when this gentleman opens the door and he has his he has a bouquet of flowers and he's looking for miss patty to take her on a date mm-hmm. and as soon as miss patty tells him to wait outside and then as soon as the doors close everybody in the town is like ooing and awing and questioning Ooh. her about this <laughs> this love interest and i just loved that it was so like such a good community everybody's teasing her but all in good fun Mm -hmm. and it was just cute yeah I thought everything about it was adorable from like Mm -hmm. Jesus himself to Miss Patty the crowd reaction of the ooing was so it was so good (laughs) yeah and that basically effectively uh ends the meeting except that we have one last uh issue to bring up which is the town loner wants to stage a protest and Taylor uh, very clearly is against this he's protesting mm-hmm. protests he says that they are un-american which uh <laughs> everybody brings up as obviously not the case mm-hmm. but he decides that the town loner cannot do his protest so we'll come back mm-hmm. to that storyline later yeah in that in the second part of that scene i have my rory's bookshelf nomination because as they're describing the town loner they call him weird, taciturn, creepy. He's a loner that lives in the hills. And then someone, I, it's Lorelai, I believe, says he's their Boo Radley. And uh-huh. then Rory says every town needs their Boo Radley. And this is a reference to To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, uh, which has come up before in our second season. We talked about that with Jess a little bit. And I honestly had to Google (laughs) the summary of To Kill a Mockingbird because I read that, I believe, like my freshman year of high school. It's been so long. But Boo Radley is this sort of like mysterious character that kind of like I think is mentioned at the very beginning and then at the end again is just this like elusive character that everyone else ends up kind of like 
putting their own sort of stuff onto him, like making sense of him because he's never around. I think the summary like refer referred to him as a ghost kind of in the way that he's there, but he's not there. Uh, yeah, I think freshman me could probably give more details than this. But overall, I found myself kind of intrigued by all of their like fixation and obsession on the loner. He'll come up again at the end. It kind of put like a poor taste in my mouth the way they were mm -hmm. describing him as so creepy. I don't know, like who is this person actually? Like, I guess I don't know. Yeah, but it is, you know, my Rory's mm -hmm. bookshelf there. The literary comparison, I think, is apt. The last time we heard about a town loner was in that one episode where they were telling Rory to make more friends at school. And mm. Lorelai was like saying, oh, she's going to be like the like a loner. And then they started listing off all of these attributes of like the Columbine school shooters, basically yeah. like that stereotype. And I feel like they're they're doing something similar here, like, and again the obsession with the Unabomber, like they're giving all those attributes to this t town loner. Yeah, who maybe just likes to, you know, maybe he just works from home. <laughs> At this point <laughs> in time, that would have been like revolutionary. <laughs> yeah, maybe there is just like a neighborhood in the hills, and that's where he lives. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, who knows. Yeah, I would probably have been a town loner, except I do like to go to the bookstore and stuff, mm -hmm. so <laughs> I would be seen. Anyways, <laughs> as we leave the town meeting, first Lorelai makes fun of Luke for potentially also being the town loner, and then we see Jess drive by in a new old car, <laughs> and that we've never seen him driving before. Lorelai... Um, is like kind of surprised by this and tries to ask Luke about it. And Luke uh, did not know that Jess had gotten a car, mm -hmm. uh, which is promising for how this is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought, uh, so like Luke walks over to Jess to ask him about the car and he is definitely immediately suspicious of how Jess was able to purchase this car. He says, I know how much you make. I like, I know how much I pay you. You don't make enough to be able to buy a car. Where did you get it? He's definitely suspecting just got it from less than honest um, means. But I'm like, does Luke really believe that he would steal a car or something yeah. like that? I think it's more so some like um, lack of trust kind of seeping into the relationship a bit. And I don't think Jess helps matters by being so <laughs> evasive, of course. Mm -hmm. And I did think it was interesting, though, at the end of the scene, Jess asks Luke to sign the registration because Jess is a minor. And Luke does, like, despite his concerns and the fact that he's going to be looking into this for the rest of the episode. I did think, like, it is interesting. I feel like that shows he does have, like, a modicum of, respect for Jess's independence even as he is like distressing him and planning to get to the bottom of it <laughs> yeah I kind of got the feeling with the whole storyline that it wasn't as serious as it could have been like Luke was more less I would say distrustful like that or less thinking that Jess actually like stole it or something and more just 
extremely curious about the life that Jess leads that he doesn't mm. know about. And I think that that's kind of like evidenced in how he how Luke responds to finding out where Jess is getting the money, which is kind of like in a jokey way. And he's not, you know, he's not too bothered by the fact that Jess mm. left it out, like made it a secret. He obviously doesn't think that's good, but it's not as serious as it could be, I think. Mm. I just got more of a jokey vibe from most of what was going on. Yeah, I can see that, like, rather than distrust, it's more like this curiosity Mm -hmm. that is eating away at him. He's, like, astounded or flabbergasted at, like, how this is possible, and he just wants to know. Could he really be this responsible with money? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think that does make sense and we'll see a bit more about that as Luke makes some questionable decisions as he investigates this as the episode goes on (laughs) uh for now we follow Lorelai as she arrives home after the meeting Rory is already there Lorelai gets the mail and discovers that Rory has been invited to Sherry's baby shower this is the first we're hearing of Sherry in a while uh around the you know first and second episodes we got you know the chris storyline but sherry hasn't really been around too much since the second season and Mm -hmm. this kind of brings up the fact that rory has been in contact with christopher which is news to us as well as lorelei and lorelei handles this in classic like excellent co-parent fashion like we've said (laughs) what we will about Lorelai as things come up but like consistently she handles co-parenting brilliantly Mm -hmm. and here she is insistent that Rory doesn't have to apologize for being for talking to Christopher she should go to the baby shower if she wants to like she'll support her by helping her get there and um the only thing she's really hung up on is the fact that Rory was like secretive and didn't share this information with her kind of paralleling the whole just not telling luke things Mm -hmm. and that (laughs) bugging him it's like the secrets you know so teenager though yeah she's great at like making it super clear that her problems with chris are not rory's problems with chris even though rory Mm -hmm. kind of takes them on sometimes it's completely on her own accord um yeah i agree she did great She also gets mad at Rory for apologizing constantly. And I have a friend who also apologizes constantly for everything. And sometimes it's like the hardest thing to not get mad at somebody for apologizing because then they'll just apologize again. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) this like loop was very relatable to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, like the classic Rory as the people pleaser. Mm -hmm. I totally buy into her as the person who like overly apologizes but it is super interesting in how that's paired with her characterization of also like we kind of have the Roy who doesn't apologize for things she should be apologizing Mm -hmm. for now (laughs) later on so yeah that's true (laughs) um so after we get this set up for the the baby shower storyline we are back at Luke's and Jess is hurrying out getting into his car I gave my Rory's bookshelf moment to something really weird this week. Kirk, so he's at the diner, of course, getting his uh, patty melt cut into squares and stars. But then he starts just like talking this car gibberish. And 
I gave him my Rory's bookshelf because if Luke hadn't pointed out that this was all gibberish, I would have thought that Kirk really knew a lot about cars. (laughs) (laughs) And I just felt like this was a, it's not a reference to anything, but it's a fake reference to things. And this is also how I feel about cars. Also, I just didn't have anything else that I wanted to give my Rory's bookshelf Mm. to. And I love this. I love this little quirky moment. Yeah. Well, he mentions he learned about cars from a record, right? Yeah, that's true. So that, you know, there's the lit stuff for you. Yeah, it's a record. (laughs) Yeah, I've never heard it, but. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I had that exchange as my Stars Hollow moment um, because I suspected, I was like, you know, we both might do that scene at the open, so I'll try to put it somewhere else. And so. Actually, I picked this moment because it's such like a normal, average kind of exchange between Luke and Kirk as he's taking the order. Luke just opens by asking, do you want your melt in, um, what was it, squares or stars today? And Kirk says, half and half. <laughs> and Luke just is like, Cute. writes that down. He's not even phased by that. And I thought it was interesting how Luke isn't angry by this exchange. If anything, he seems distracted watching Jess but I also Mm -hmm. thought you know like maybe eight times out of ten Luke isn't really always angry with his customers and it's more like this like monotonous ordering and we just happen to see a lot of the like ones where Luke is stressed or worked up but it's just very normal between Kirk and him it's a very average day in town followed by that funny car stuff and then the scene ends with Kirk kind of looking off into the distance saying man, I wish my mom would let me have a car or a bike (laughs) or my roller skates back. (laughs) Yet another moment where Kirk is like the perfect character to nominate at a given moment Mm -hmm. for Stars Hollow nomination, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I also want to point out, I feel like we should follow Luke and Kirk's friendship because later Mm -hmm. in later seasons, especially I think season four, they like kind of confide in each other a lot in kind of Mm. weird ways and I I don't know I feel like this is a moment where it's clear that they are friends even if they are constantly kind of antagonizing each other not in the same way as Taylor and Luke but yeah um but they're clearly they have you know a rapport and they're friends Mm -hmm. and I don't know it's just an interesting friendship Yeah, I totally agree. Something to track as well. So keeping with the theme of cars, after this we (laughs) go to Gypsy's car repair where she is criticizing Jackson's driving and uh, (laughs) his car maintenance. (laughs) Yeah, we we have barely seen him and Suki really. I mean, we saw like the home decor thing and other than that. That was our last storyline. Yeah, I've just seen him in like scenes here and there. So it was great to see him being uh, grumpy about how he treats his car, which <laughs> I don't know. I, again, kind of relate to. I feel like I treat my car much better than this, but also if t- somebody told me I flood the engine, which I think you can only do on a uh, manual? standard manual. Yeah, <laughs> a manual. If somebody <laughs> were to tell me that I do that, I'd be like, oh. Sure, I guess I do. I don't know mm-hmm. how, but I do that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd be giving Gypsy a lot of money. I think she mm-hmm. could tell me anything. <laughs> I know. I like, 
yeah i'm one of one of one of those people who's like uh easily taken in by car maintenance folks which is exactly what many of them know about me when they see me (laughs) and if they're listening to this right now we are not easily taken in we are strong (laughs) we know a lot about cars (laughs) yeah yes yes exactly (laughs) anyways luke also shows up and he's just asking Gypsy about uh, how Jess bought the car. She's saying that it was all above board. He had the cash. She doesn't really question, you know, where people get their cash. Obviously, if they show mm-hmm. up with it, then then she'll take it. Uh, so it seems like Jess got his car, the car at least, respectably. How he got the cash is still up for debate. Yeah. I have my Jess sass attack in this scene as... Luke is questioning Gypsy. She says, because um, at one point, just I mean, Luke asks, like, what was the money like? Does he say, like, was there, like, a like a gun and a mask with the money or something? Yeah. Essentially <laughs> implying, like, were there any signs of, like, robbery <laughs> or theft when he had the money? And she's like, oh, he was carrying it in a bag with a big dollar sign <laughs> on it. <laughs> like a comical robbery bag you might see in like a cartoon and she says this deadpan so Luke doesn't really pick up on this and then she says guys are stupid if we don't laugh after we make a joke you think we're serious and it was so true very funny (laughs) wonderful (laughs) we've been getting yeah we're getting a lot of fun little scenes like this with Luke's storyline for the episode and we get we get another right after this back at the diner uh we see Taylor having an argument with the reverend and rabbi who I don't think we've run into this yet uh but they share the church basically they have um services right after one another and I think there's a scene I don't remember when it is where the we see like the end of the reverend maybe it's during the baptism with Suki's kids or something but yeah or a funeral but I know what you're thinking of we see like them switch really rapidly right after <laughs> the reverend finishes his service. They like switch out the cross for a star of David, and then the rabbi <laughs> starts um, reciting from uh, the uh, Torah. Yeah, this scene is my gazebo moment. Actually, <laughs> I loved it so much. And I, as you're saying, like the fact that they share the church, that premise alone, I think is just fantastic. Like. Amy Sherman Palladino's imagination of like in Stars Hollow, the two faiths like coexist together in the same building. They share it and they're like the Reverend and Rabbi are like best friends yeah. <laughs> and like yes. get along so well. And what I loved about this scene is really like the dialogue, which is so quick and funny. They are like really having at Taylor, making fun of him and the acting on all three's part, they're like so calm and funny and Taylor is so worked up. Like it was just so amusing to watch. And I tried to write down some of the dialogue. Taylor's essentially bothered that they've agreed to have the protests from the church building. So they um, see, let's see, what do I want to quote from here? Well, okay, so they say they don't answer to Taylor. They answer to a higher power, the hot dog. <laughs> and that was the rabbi's joke. And the reverend goes, oh, I laugh every time you say that. And the rabbi goes, funny is funny. <laughs> They're just so, like, jovial and good with each other. 
um at one point taylor's like god doesn't approve of this or like i know god wouldn't want this or something and they're like taylor you're in direct communication with god do you have a god phone <laughs> what's he like tell us common folk is he serious about shellfish because those red lobster commercials <laughs> um yeah i'm paraphrasing a little bit but the it kind of wraps up with taylor threatening to shut down bingo at their building and he says he's not afraid of the bubbies to the rabbi and they're very like oh you don't know what you've just said like no <laughs> um and taylor threatens to like take his dollar that he donates every week to another church and they're like well maybe the shakers in woodbury will have you and Oh, overall, the back and forth was just so humorous. Like you said, this is like a very small plot line, but it just keeps you so invested in it through like just th scenes like this. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we love to see the townsfolk standing up to not only standing up to Taylor, but completely like mowing him down with the wit yeah. witticisms. <laughs> he didn't stand a chance against the reverend and rabbi. Mm -hmm. We also see a different busboy who we never see again in the rest yeah. in the diner. I was interested by that. And then Luke, this is when Luke appears and he's looking for Jess again and he goes upstairs and begins looking through all of Jess's drawers and everything. He doesn't find anything, but he does see we see him open what I think is like a false a book like that is like looks like the cover of a book and everything and you open it up and it's hollow I didn't really see what was in it or anything or what but it's probably just I don't know his personal effects or whatever <laughs> but I thought that was kind of cool yeah I was gonna guess it was Rory's bracelet but he did return oh, that yeah yeah maybe it's I guess it'd be way too obvious if it's just like a Polaroid of her or something maybe it's like <laughs> yeah. a, a piece from the car crash <laughs> or like a pencil he borrowed when they were in New York or something. <laughs> I don't know. Some I mementos. Don't know. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> but I did love that that was just like such a Jess kind of little knickknack with his book obsession. I like that. Yeah. I would want yeah. I want one of those. I don't know what I would put in it, but I want one. Yes. <laughs> We interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. This week, we have a PSA straight from Paris Fashion Week. Green is the new pink. Yes, you heard it here first. Pink is out and green is in. Forget about pink roses or pink icing on those Valentine's Day cookies. It's all going to be green this year. Now, why would we predict this trend? After all, pink has been a beloved color for generations. We've put our baby girls in it to make sure the world is 100% sure about their gender even before they are. We've made it the color of love. As soon as February hits, pink is the only color you see. So why the change? Green is the color of forests, vegetation all over the world, and aliens. If you need any reason greater than that, then you obviously are no fashionista. Pink is artificial, ladies. Green, now that is the color of nature. Plus, it isn't tied inextricably to a specific gender, making it a color that all can and should enjoy. We hope we cleared that up for all listeners of Talking Fast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Meanwhile, Lane and Rory are walking about town, chatting about the baby shower and Rory's gift, and then they come across the car. Lane is drawn to it immediately, wondering whose car it is, and Rory says it's Jess's. This proceeds to get Lane fairly worked up, and Rory is calm, like for now, and Essentially, the idea of this scene, I want to unpack a bit with you. Like, it's very much about Lane being defensive on her friend's behalf. She's, like, angry. I think, I guess, that Jess has a car when he totaled Roy's car. So, like, in her mind, it's, like, not fair for him to have a car because he's the reason Roy doesn't have one. She's the one who should have a new car if anyone gets one. And this just made me wonder, like, what do you think of this scene, I guess? Because before, we haven't really seen Lane have much of an opinion about Jess. And we've kind of thought, like, oh, she's not totally against him, but she seems to be here. What do you think about this choice, I guess, of them, like, writing this scene as her kind of being antagonistic towards Jess? Like, why? To what effect? (laughs) That's a good point, because it's, it's true we haven't really seen her be that critical of Jess. I I mean, and the last time that they talked about boys together, Lane was, like, talking about how great Rory and Dean are, so we don't... And it doesn't seem like Rory's been confiding with Lane about her feelings mm-hmm. for Jess. So I don't know. That's a good point. It seems like maybe... Maybe it was just like an easy way for the writers to make sure that we feel antagonistic towards this car so that mm. <laughs> so that mm-hmm. they can egg it later. Or like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe maybe it's Lane like projecting what she thinks. I mean, I think it is Lane trying to do what she thinks Rory might actually be feeling like trying to uh, portray what Rory won't, but... I don't know. It's weird because you. I hadn't yeah. thought about it, but you're right. It really isn't really in Lane's character at the moment with how she and Jess have gotten on so far. I could more yeah. so see her doing this about Dean at some point. 
than mm. Jess. Yeah, I just thought it was a little weird and kind of out of the blue almost for her to have such a strong attitude against him. But I, as I was thinking about it and listening to you just now, like I do kind of connect it to what we were talking about with our like observation that Rory doesn't seem to confide in Lane about her love life and about Jess specifically. So I'm like, I think this is could be a sign that Lane has really bought into the narrative that the town has about like what happened Mm -hmm. with the car accident and how they all vilified Jess and it's so interesting to me that Rory never told her the truth of what happened because if Rory had I don't feel like Lane would be reacting this way in this scene so I think it's just sad again that this is another sign that Rory is like so internal she's really like hoarding these like all of this private stuff and not sharing it with like someone who's closest to her but we definitely don't see Rory like mention that now in this scene like we've and by the end of the episode either like this Rory this was the other thing I was wondering about like and I think we can probably understand what has happened because we've been recapping but like what happened to Rory from season two where she was so like protesting her responsibility and her accountability to now where she doesn't say anything to like defend Jess in this moment and then later on instigates the egging of the car when it's like what do you have to be mad at him for like (laughs) you know he wasn't responsible for the car situation like it was just another sign that she's like so far gone in her like feelings of like jealousy anger at him it's so like misdirected from her unresolved Mm -hmm. shit she's got going on it's like wow (laughs) yeah and like regret also I also Mm. at the end of this scene as they're walking away Rory yells something about how like he's got a bra in the back seat yeah she said you left your bra in the back seat (laughs) and Jess like looks back and there obviously was a bra there because he gets this kind of like I can't believe I did that look on his face (laughs) so I was wondering if a lot of this was like I don't know about Lane's reaction necessarily but like if Rory's reaction to the car and the egging later was all just because of this bra like she's now seen not only that Jess and Shane are making out but they're like going further than she has with Dean and probably would feel comfortable with Jess Mm -hmm. like we'll come to that later in the season but yeah just like it seems like she's adding she's got the jealousy and she's also like regretful because she clearly is the reason for all of this she never made a move she never like broke up with dean or anything so it's all her fault and she deny denies that Mm. and now she's just like seeing more evidence of i guess maybe what she could have had (laughs) or something like that or just yeah i don't know it just like is piling onto her and she's refusing to let it out in any sort of constructive way like talking to lane about it you know (laughs) that makes a whole lot of sense that her anger is fueled by regret that she's not willing to acknowledge and that the car is like the the visible sign of that it like informs her even more when she sees the bra and like the car is historically a place that like teenagers use the Mm -hmm. car you know you can't do things at (laughs) home so the car is like Not only, yeah, it's like a space that 
just now has to like go they're not just gonna make out by trees anymore you know like mm-hmm. you have the backseat of the car where the bra is it's definitely more adults and like sexual than she's experienced I think there is definitely like this lust like lust that she feels for Jess and that seeing Shane and him like making out and stuff like that's probably something she's not willing to like check in with either yeah (laughs) in terms of how she's feeling the last interaction they had was their wet scene Mm. (laughs) outside of Mm -hmm. Dwight's oasis and so like their sexual tension at this point is just very very heightened I imagine yeah. any like additional implications I don't know that's could be explosive I didn't mm-hmm. mean that as an innuendo I meant that <laughs> <laughs> I am glad way. though <laughs> that you bring up that this episode follows the like oasis episode because I didn't feel like this episode was always conscious of that like the Mm -hmm. continuity didn't quite add up to me the way that Rory reacts to Jess especially by the end of the episode like it's her idea to go egg his car and seems to like be acting on some anger toward him it almost felt like they'd had a bit of a like I don't know like a truce or like a moment of acknowledgement together like it felt like some of their conflict diffused a bit when they had mm-hmm. that sprinklers exchange and for this like I feel like she's back and angrier or something yeah. so I'm like was this episode supposed to come before that one or something yeah I mean that I kind know. of that would make sense because the episode right before that was the the big Shane episode so it kind of would make sense yeah. if this was like written to come more like as episode five that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like that that does make more sense continuity with continuity. <laughs> Cuz otherwise it's just so back and forth. Yeah, hot and cold. Yeah. Without really like I mean, at that point with all the back and forth, we'd have to like assume that so much and this might be the case, but like so much is happening just within Rory's head to mm-hmm. lead to all of this like after that wet sprinkler scene. Maybe she then like dreamed up some like big gesture from Jess and it never happened or Mm. I don't know something like that that's just like she she's building expectations out of nothing that obviously get dashed because nobody knows (laughs) yeah even even we don't know like as you mentioned if all of this is kind of happening in Rory's mind like we're not really getting access to that And there could be scenes like I don't I'm not asking for like a monologue or anything, but maybe they should have added a couple scenes in that could give us better clues as to like where her head is at if they're not going to have her talking about it out loud Mm -hmm. to a character so that we can know as well. Um, Because it does feel a bit random. There is a bit of whiplash involved. And when I glanced at the list of episodes, I saw what next episode is. And I was like, I don't know. Whoa. That almost feels, it doesn't feel out of nowhere because, of course, this conflict has existed for quite some time now. But I was honestly kind of surprised that it follows this episode, you know, like, yeah, Hmm. we'll see. We'll be on our toes next episode. Be so surprised. Yeah, I feel like we're (laughs) having to do a lot of work right now to justify Mm. the order of things. (laughs) And that's not (laughs) always the best, uh, best thing. 
No, I guess it's good for a podcaster, but maybe not for That's true. Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very true. After this, we are headed off to the baby shower and Lorelai's driving Rory. It's in Boston. And apparently the color for the baby shower is green, which Lorelai questions. The only thing it makes her think of is aliens, which I always <laughs> am up for an alien discussion. Um, mm mm-hmm. Uh, Sherry then like appears at Rory's window and they both jump it's like a like, jump scare <laughs> yeah yeah because she also like shouts at the same time hi <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then she kind of she coerces Lorelai into coming to the party which is a mm-hmm. terrible idea for both of them yes um even for Rory it's like it's more bad than good for Rory <laughs> yeah um but she won't take no for an answer, so. What do you think Sherry's motivation is here? Like, why no does idea. she want Lorelai so badly to attend the party? I think from Lo- from Lorelai, I think, like, the show kind of wants us to think that it's vindictive, like, mm. to show off how her life is good with Christopher. But, and I, I feel like that's probably how... I've seen it in the past, but looking at it in our slow rewatch, I'm realizing that Sherry is never bad mm-hmm. until she leaves Gigi, and mm-hmm. that also we just don't know her context for. We just get Christopher's story, of course. Yeah. So all of our, like, we're we're seeing all this through Lorelai and Rory's point of view, and Lorelai is obviously really upset by it. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of colors our, like, perception of what's happening with Sherry. So I honestly, I feel like she maybe is just completely clueless as to yeah. how she's coming across. She thinks she, like, she's really invested in getting to know Rory more. And so she thinks mm-hmm. that this is the, the way to go. Maybe she read a book about being, a like, a stepmother figure. And mm-hmm. this was something that was suggested. Because, I yeah, I don't. Like, when she's talking to Lorelai later, I don't necessarily get a vindictive vibe about it. Yeah. And Lorelai herself is, like, I would respect her more if I thought it was, like, she was doing this on purpose. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, Lorelai's confused by it. And Lorelai almost comes to the conclusion at the end that is it just, like, cluelessness? Does Sherry not realize the effect that she has by sharing all of this information Mm -hmm. and insisting Lorelai be a part of all of this I I don't know I was definitely confused but I think like maybe my theory is that Sherry has kind of like lost touch of reality a bit (laughs) in her committed pursuit to having a family Mm -hmm. and her sense of what that family is supposed to be and I think you're right I'm guessing she's very like informed by like media and books she's definitely a woman with a plan yeah (laughs) and she plans to you know have her pitch and then have her baby a couple hours later and she like thinks she can plan these things and I think this is my way of starting to like write her side of the story for what happens later like perhaps that's where it goes awry like you know she thought she Mm -hmm. could plan and organize and make all this informed decisions and but she's like losing touch of reality in terms of like how Lorelai experiences this and also like how she yeah. is experiencing it, you know, as Sherry, not as like Gigi's mom, but 
we'll yeah. see that we'll see down the line but um I think maybe she just has like such a strong vision of this like golden family and what she needs to do to make that happen and for some reason she seems to think Lorelai should be a part of it and that yeah she should like, tell Lorelai cool all these intimate details <laughs> yeah um that just hurt her <laughs> yeah and I feel like if she were thinking about it differently like in any sort of I don't know socially cognizant way <laughs> she would know you don't talk to somebody's ex mm. about like if you, you if you and a person share a significant other and they are now I'm, I'm not I'm not explaining this well but you don't talk <laughs> you don't talk uh, about your partner who was somebody's ex to that person oh gosh that wasn't even be- any better but anyway she shouldn't be talking about Christopher to Lorelai <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, in such a personal way like that's just a clear social faux pas but yeah I, I agree it do- definitely does seem like she is lost any sort of connection with uh, other people's feelings maybe even her own because I feel like yeah that that would be such an awkward position to be in I think it's strange fascinating strange woman she was definitely like very similar to how her character was when she appeared which mm-hmm. I liked that the characterization is so similar and we had kind of talked a lot about how like she's easily an off-putting character to Lorelai and to many like viewers and I I get it but there's something about her that still continues to like endear her to me you know like mm-hmm. I don't know but I kind of think she would survive an apocalypse you know of a lot of yeah. these characters here <laughs> yeah. she's determined <laughs> yeah she is like hapless in a way mm, <laughs> like she too, yeah. thinks so seriously about the steps to get through things that she forgets all of the like human emotion connected with the steps yeah which is like like that christopher is her partner (laughs) yeah (laughs) they're meant for each other they're both pretty hapless i think that's true though christopher i'd say is more like damagingly hapless. yeah (laughs) though Gigi might protest (laughs) poor girl yeah well the next scene or series of scenes really is this baby shower there's a lot going on, so maybe we don't need to cover every single detail, mm-hmm. but what were some of the like momentous things that you noticed in this baby shower? Well, my favorite thing was that the color is green and <laughs> I noticed that Sherry's dress, who I'm giving I'm giving her my Lorelei's closet because her dress matched perfectly with the paint color of the walls, which was green. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we get like green um cake and green everything um so that was cool I liked that and they definitely weren't doing it to be subversive to gender stereotypes but I like that it was (laughs) Mm -hmm. um other than that I think like we find out that the baby is a girl and gonna be named Georgia or Gigi and Lorelai sees this as an affront (laughs) because it's too (laughs) it's too similar to Rory I would Mm -hmm. say it's more of an affront because it's just like Gilmore Girls like I often uh just say GG when I'm talking about Gilmore Girls because it's too mm. much to to type out so I feel like that's more of a yeah not so subtle Gilmore Girls <laughs> yeah <laughs> um other things I have not been to a baby shower well I think I went to one baby shower a long time mm. ago and 
uh, these games all look terrible. It looks like torture to me. <laughs> what were some of your standouts? <laughs> I did want to ask if you'd ever been to Baby Shower because I've been to just a couple. One of them was nothing like this. It was more of a classic kind of like get together. But one of them did have games like this. Oh, like gosh. truth, truly, this actually I think is what some baby showers are like. And I won like a prize for winning one of the games. Wow. And it, it, it did involve diaper. diapers. <laughs> it had it was like the diapers and you had to guess like what was inside. I don't know if it was by smell or sight, but it was like melted chocolate candy to be like wow. poop. It's bizarre. What a waste of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's just so weird. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. I don't like, know there's either. some like some like bridal showers and stuff sometimes too have like the weirdest activities. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just have some cake chat maybe have a movie on (laughs) i don't know maybe i just don't like parties (laughs) i don't know the the second thing i wanted to highlight was like a jaw dropping moment for me and not in a good way this they're like all um complimenting sherry's beauty essentially and her and chris and together and one of sherry's friends says Next to this, like, single black woman in the group, she says, you and Chris are the poster for Aryan breeding. I was like, oh, my God. I know this show means that as a joke. Like, oh, this character who would, like, say something like that. I don't know. But I was just like, that was so casually thrown out in these, like, scenes of dialogue. And I'm like, her black friend is sitting right there. This character doesn't, Mm -hmm. like, seem to, like, think anything about it I was just like oh my god (laughs) yeah I was also astounded by that I I feel like this is something that would never fly in the 2020s just because I feel like we're so much more aware of like white supremacy and the vocabulary that goes along with it or maybe yeah maybe just some people are but (laughs) and like Aryan is uh, an exact like synonym for white or for uh what am I trying like eugenic white supremacist type of thought <laughs> yeah like blood lines purity blood gross purity. stuff like that yeah yeah it was like the vocabulary but then also that she said it so flippantly and then yeah. they don't even have the actor next to her who is black they don't even have her react like it's just like no or anyone in the scene like not a single person reacts like oh that's offensive like there's not even a facial expression that changes I'm like wow yeah (laughs) that was so casual (laughs) yet toxic (laughs) yeah oh gosh (laughs) and speaking of toxic I also placed my Friday night dinner critique at the baby shower and I think it was actually an earlier conversation where they're all um discussing how Sherry looks while she's pregnant And this was Mm -hmm. just like flagging the expectations of women's bodies when they're pregnant and how they're kind of like espousing some really negative um, ideas here. Mm -hmm. Her friend says, don't you hate the way Sherry looks? And they're all kind of like complimenting Sherry on how thin she is, like her face and how you wouldn't know she was pregnant. Lorelai jokes that the door had to be widened for her when she was pregnant. And it's like offensive on a variety of levels but the fact that it's like 
pregnancy is a time when you're supposed your body is supposed to grow to like form another human and that they are like um they've internalized these societal like views on fatness so that they like feel like they feel bad or have to make jokes or compliment if you don't look larger when you're pregnant it's just so ridiculous to me and I don't know it's like well no I was gonna try to be like generous to the show and think like (laughs) perhaps they're trying to shed light and represent this thing that a lot of pregnant women do deal with you know their like perceptions of their body as it changes and whatever but I don't think they mean it to be kind of a realism portrayal Mm -hmm. of that at all it's like because of the way that they bring it up often in the rest of the show too they don't really have nuance or insight when it comes to um fat phobia and whatnot so yeah just definitely some toxicity at this baby shower in more ways than one (laughs) yeah yeah I agree that was obnoxious I've never been pregnant nor do I ever intend to be but I can just imagine like the added pressure that women already have to look a certain way and that's like impossible for many people and then like add on to that that your body's doing one of the weirdest things that bodies can ever do (laughs) and you're supposed Mm -hmm. to stay skinny I know exactly I was about to make like a an alien reference there but (laughs) I I did that with my sister when she was pregnant and it didn't go well (laughs) um anyways Yeah, we're in a safe space for alien baby jokes here. (laughs) During this, after, like, all the weird games and stuff, Lorelai, Mm -hmm. or Sherry's talking about how involved Christopher has been and how he's amazing and how Christopher talks to the baby every night. And Lorelai, um, oh, this is after Lorelai's left to get food and Sherry has followed her and is now telling her all this stuff, as we'd mentioned before. Mm And Lorelai is clearly, like, having to count back from 10 in her head to keep her cool during Mm -hmm. all of this. Sherry does not pick up on that at all. She just keeps, like, going on about how how good it's been. And she also kind of recounts the story of finding out that she was pregnant and telling Christopher, which, as we know, uh, happened when Christopher and Lorelai had just hooked up and were planning to be Mm -hmm. together at Soki's wedding. And Sherry just, like, casually kind of mentions that, you know, who's at that wedding. And as if, I mean, she doesn't know, of course, what happened, uh, which is another thing that means that Christopher hasn't told her what happened. But, um, yeah, yeah, she talks about how Christopher was, like, so supportive as soon as he found out. He wanted to be there and, like, be really involved this time. Um And then she credits Lorelai with this change. She says that (laughs) she thanks Lorelai for having this effect on him, which is, yeah, it just crosses the line. (laughs) It's just like, Mm -hmm. how could you think that that's that's the appropriate thing to say right now? (laughs) Oh, yeah. It was really good to, like, watch Lauren Graham's expressions throughout Mm -hmm. this whole scene because Lorelai really isn't saying much. And in that first half that you talked about where Sherry's kind of just, like, oversharing how involved Christopher is like he plays the baby music or like he sings or something like that and how he like wants her to lie down all the time and things like that and I felt like Lorelai's expression was really something of like a profound sadness Mm -hmm. as she's probably thinking about 
all the times, you know, like that was not her experience. He was not invested like that with her. And then in the second half, I was sure it kind of moves to the like thanking her for like making him a changed man, not knowing the whole context. She like then is moving to this like anger and kind of like outrage and disbelief a bit. And that's when she kind of like has to escape to the bathroom or she's probably going to start like... (laughs) I don't know. I credit her for her um, fortitude here. Like she easily could just like spill the beans, you know, Mm -hmm. like tell her the full truth. But I think she clearly feels like that's not her place. That's more so Christopher's place. So I I don't know. I just commend her on like being able to wall up all the stuff inside. And then she takes it out on the bathroom, <laughs> which was comical. Dissert, like messing up her medicine cabinet, throwing the towels on the ground. It was such like a harmless way mm-hmm. to <laughs> get back at someone. Yet it is something that would irk someone like Sherry, who probably like alphabetized her cabinet <laughs> like she did to the CD collection, which is another topic that they bring up. Yeah, I loved I loved how she... Uh, took it out on the bathroom and Rory comes in. I'm pretty sure it is Rory put it back together afterwards. Yeah, that's yeah. what she says in the car. <laughs> and which is so Rory. Yeah, it really is. Um Rory comes in and like kind of talks Lorelai down. Although understandably Lorelai is very upset by all of this. She kind of like recounts everything Sherry's been saying and rants about it. Understandably, uh Mm-hmm. But she does get calmed back down and they go back out to the baby shower somehow. I don't know if I could do that. I would probably yeah. have to leave. <laughs> yeah. Although, like, notably, Lorelai makes a lot of complaints against Sherry, but it's stuff about, like, the green, the CD mm-hmm. collection. She doesn't, she almost, but then withholds, like, complaining about what they said in the solo conversation they had. I think where she's really hurt, that's the thing she's Mm -hmm. really angry about. But she actually doesn't tell Rory about that, which I can understand. Like, that was, like, a deeply felt thing. And she didn't – she wasn't open to confiding it at that moment. So she is still kind of, like, holding it in. And, yeah, they they stay there until 6, we learn, because they try to leave at (laughs) 5, but Sherry – you know, ropes them again into staying an hour longer because she's like, you would just be in traffic for that hour. And I don't know. I just thought this this episode was kind of funny. It's the second in a row where Lorelai got roped into doing something she didn't want to do, like watering the lawn, going to the baby shower. It's like really building up, I think, our sympathy for Lorelai, which we need after being so like not on her side before. Now I'm like so pleasantly on her side, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I was also thinking like all of these Lorelai storylines we've gotten this season so far uh, seasons one and two were basically all Lorelai with somebody or like breaking up or starting to date somebody and now it's we just have like that in between I mean I guess she dated John Hamm but that's <laughs> just Barely. a little bit different <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so now we're getting all these storylines of her life out outside of that and it's really interesting because yeah she doesn't seem to have She's not doing much of what she wants to do. (laughs) She's being tortured a lot by things. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Anything else to talk about with the baby shower? 
No, I don't think so. We'll follow up with it a bit more on their drive home. But before that scene, we return to Luke's to finish up this Jess Carr storyline. Or at least the the mystery of how he got the car storyline. His car will be a notable um, subject in another scene by the end. <laughs> but here, mm-hmm. <laughs> Luke finally gets the answer to, you know, how does Jess have a car? And it's that Jess is working at Walmart. Yeah. And this seems to be like um, the, the, like the punchline of the joke, I guess. I don't know. Like, yeah, it was weird. I, what is so funny about just working at Walmart, I guess, is I the know. question. Is it picturing him as the greeter? Because I do think yeah. that is hilarious. <laughs> like, he's definitely not the person who is waving you in and smiling at you. Is it Luke just being, like, lighthearted about it? Like, he's so happy he finally knows the secret and it's not something bad. It's just that he has another job. Is it that... It's like a classist thing to like look down Mm -hmm. on people who work at Walmart. Yeah. This scene had my Friday night dinner in it partly for that and also partly because Luke has been going through Jess's things and he Mm. tries to justify that, which I don't think is like it's not a just don't look through other people's things. I got no. My dad did that to me once when I was a teenager and it was like so by it's like I was just I was so angry about it yeah yeah it's a total disruption of privacy Mm -hmm. and it didn't seem like something Luke would do to me necessarily it seems like Emily would do that yeah without a doubt but I don't see Luke as someone who would do that and it doesn't you're right that he's like defensive of it he didn't seem to like reflect on it or feel bad about it like morally so Mm -hmm. yeah I didn't love that part of the storyline either I agree. yeah and then with the whole walmart thing i really feel like it was a classist thing because i think that oftentimes walmart is seen as like the lower class target like that's mm. the place for people with lower incomes usually the place where um like black and brown people shop more than white people it's just, like, got that kind of reputation, I feel like. And I feel like that's mm. what Luke was, like, going with here, what he was reacting to, even though it's utterly ridiculous. And I feel like a teenager working at Walmart, anybody working at Walmart, it's a good job. It also kind of speaks badly on Luke that he pays Jess so little that Jess needs to go out and get another job. <laughs> Though at the same time, yeah. if Jess, like was just getting the job to be able to get a car that's also his like own prerogative and speaks highly of Jess I would say like that he's willing to go out and do what he needs to do to get what he wants or to be able to buy what he wants but yeah just the whole like talking down about Walmart and all the more like quote-unquote unskilled labor which though as Luke points out Jess did have to be certified to be able to do his job so it's not Mm -hmm. really unskilled and I have been I worked at a grocery store as a stalker for a year when I was in college it's hard work and it sounds easy but it's also very easy to mess up uh so (laughs) yeah it's interesting that we've had two episodes that back-to-back portray kind of like toxic 
beliefs and values about work. Like Mm -hmm. here you've got Luke making fun of Jess for working at Walmart. In last episode, we had the whole Rory thing, um, disrespecting Shane at work. Like (laughs) the kind of like just the judgment and looking down on people and certain kinds of the work, certain kinds of work that they do. It's, I don't know. Like, I think I remember finding this plot line like really funny the last time I had watched it. And then this time around, I was kind of like, it didn't ring that comically to me, except for, like I said, like picturing him in the vest and like greeting people, which is definitely not the job he has, as we know. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. I'm also just, Walmart seems like something so antithetical to Stars Hollow. Mm. I feel like Taylor would fight as hard as he could not to have a Walmart in Stars Hollow. And that kind of goes back to the whole exclusionary storyline we talked about last season with Jess in general. It also makes me wonder how he got to work before he got a, had a car. Must have taken the That's bus such or something. a great something. question. <laughs> yeah, lots of things to think about. We get more about the Walmart job, if I recall. So mm-hmm. we'll see it again. Yeah. <laughs> and back to Lorelai and Rory. They're driving home. Lorelai, understandably, is in a bad mood. Um, Mm -hmm. Sherry forced them home with deviled eggs, which I would have been cool (laughs) with. I love deviled eggs, though admittedly they don't travel well or keep super well. Like you kind of just want to eat them as like soon. (laughs) So I could understand they are probably smelly in a car. (laughs) Right. And so when they get back to town, Rory spots Jess's car. And has this idea to help Lorelai work through some of her frustration and anger. Not lashing out at the bathroom now, but lashing out at Jess's car. Rory suggests that they should go egg it using the doubled eggs. And I'm of a couple minds on this. One is that, do I think this is appropriate? Does Rory even have any justification for lashing out at Jess? I don't personally think so, but... The other part of my mind is I think it is arguably hilarious that (laughs) they're egging someone's car, but with deviled eggs. Like that is just so, yeah, that part is funny. How do you feel? It's so, (laughs) it's so harmless. Like it Mm -hmm. makes the car stink and he has to wash it, but it's not even like, I'm pretty sure with raw eggs, sometimes the proteins or something can mess with the paint but with the cooked eggs, I think there's probably no damage whatsoever. It is. I <laughs> thought it was paprika. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So wasted the deviled eggs, in my opinion, but also hilarious. Mm-hmm. And they also like race back to the car and attempt to squeal out. But <laughs> Lorelai can't get the car to make the noise. So instead, they both just squeal themselves as they drive away. It was just hilarious. It was yeah. like a good kind of lighthearted break of the tension from the baby shower yeah very very funny I'm I'm with you on that <laughs> yeah it was a good mom and daughter moment like mm-hmm. a lot I don't think most of us could imagine doing that with our moms maybe you can though that's cool but I can't imagine <laughs> me suggesting that to my mom so it was another like very characteristic like that's so them kind of moment yeah. <laughs> every once in a while my mom will really surprise me with something. So I kind of feel like mm. if I had, maybe if I mentioned this now, not necessarily when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. but if we had reason to do this now, I feel like maybe she'd go along with it. 
Oh, good. But it, when well, I was maybe a I'll bring it up not. to my mom. <laughs> yeah. I need to think about if I have any enemies. <laughs> yeah. Somebody who's like just a petty, petty family feud person or something. <laughs> hmm. Have to think about it. Yeah. I don't think I have anybody like that. <laughs> All right. Well, from here we go to the, the final scene of the episode, which is the loners protest. Mm-hmm. It goes... It's another hilarious scene at the end of this episode. He's got this like really, really big banner. I don't know why it's that big, but he plans to like display it out of a window and have it like go down um, the front of the church. But he does it backwards. So they all (laughs) yell like, turn it around because the whole like town is gathered at beneath the church. And he goes to turn it around, but the paper just rips and falls to the ground so they don't know what he's protesting after all this time <laughs> and they attempt to he attempts to yell at them and mm-hmm. i was looking at the captions as this was happening it was just like a bunch of like random word like not even words just gibberish and they attempt yeah. to like interpret what he's saying mm-hmm. and all of what they're saying is gibberish it was just hilarious yeah what do you think he was actually protesting? I don't know. Probably Taylor uh, monopolizing the town. I don't mm. know. The continued pressure to participate in town events. <laughs> I don't know what the town loaner would hate um, other than that. Maybe he was protesting the exclusionary nature of Stars Hollow. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's why he needed such a big banner, you know, <laughs> yeah. with, like a lot List to his grievances. <laughs> I kind of, I mean, he had the opportunity to like go back down and then turn over the banner and roll it out that way. Um, but obviously that would have lost the comedic effect. It was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. He didn't yeah. seem too torn I like up that about we it. never know. Yeah. My gazebo moment happens right after this when mm-hmm. as everybody is standing around after this attempted protest, Jess walks out to his car <laughs> and sees that it's been devil-egged, and Luke comes over and teases him about it, and then mm-hmm. Babette tells everybody that they better get up wind from Jess's car because it's starting to stink, and that's what disperses the crowd, and that was just mm-hmm. a priceless bit of comedy right there. <laughs> yeah, it really was priceless. It was such a good end to the episode. Yeah. Yeah, it had this episode had like some heavy moments, of course, with the Sherry and Lorelai stuff, but mm-hmm. overall it was just a pretty enjoyable light episode, I think. Yeah. So who would you say was your MVP for this episode? My MVP was the town loner. <laughs> I admire him for uh sticking to his his own morals, his own desire to be a loner, to but he also at the same time is willing to go out there and tell everybody, you know, what's what with his protest, whatever it was. Hopefully it wasn't something I disagree with. <laughs> um, I just like the town loner idea and mm-hmm. someday I would like to be the town loner to a town. <laughs> Who was your MVP? Um. <laughs> uh- you know, I was really on the fence about this, but I, I will. I, my MVP is Sherry. Do I agree with all of her actions? No. Do I think she's vindictive? 
No. <laughs> I just have um I just really like the character. I think mm-hmm. it, she's a fun person to see. I like the drama that happens in the scenes she's involved in and I like yeah, I like the actor. I'm currently rewatching Gossip Girl, oh, another nice. GG show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I actually just saw the like season two plotline that features this actor where she plays this like older woman who's involved with Nate (laughs) it's such a hilarious storyline um and Nate is also another hapless human speaking of hapless people so I she was just on my mind and then to see her again in this episode it was like oh what a coincidence and yeah I think we'll see a bit more of Sherry this season so I look forward to that Mm -hmm. yeah well, it's a good episode. I mm-hmm. you made me feel really ominous about what's coming next uh, for next week. So I'm kind of excited. I mm-hmm. I feel like I might know what it is just because of the gravity <laughs> with which you said that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm excited for it either way. <laughs> All right. Well, talk soon. Yeah, talk soon. Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.